Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast, and we've got a couple new things for you today. We are going to see if they are working. We are trying to broadcast live on YouTube and Twitter at the same time through Periscope, so if you have any questions, please go ahead and make sure that you put them in the chat, and I will be able to see what is going on and be able to answer those questions, and here's what we're going to be doing today. We are going to be breaking down everything that you need to know about the 49ers offense. This is all straight offensive episode and exactly what's going on with one of the greatest offensive performances that we have seen, you know, as a 49er. This is absolutely incredible. You know, just a couple stats just to kind of go off the top of my head. This is the fifth most yards we have ever seen put up. 49ers history, not to mention just how well, uh, you know, the best offensive output since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch stepped out. But this game was just bonkers. Everything worked start to finish, and there was literally no stopping this offense once they started going. So, um, again, if you guys have any comments or questions as we're breaking down the offense, try your hardest to stay on offense today. The next episode of the 49ers Rush podcast will be everything defensive. Then we'll get into our game plan and scouting out the Pittsburgh Steelers so lots of stuff to get to and again if you do want to leave a comment please tag me on the side that way I can see there's lots of comments on there already which is exciting that lets me know this is working but what I want to do is just get into real quick who the starters were top and worst rated players on the offensive side then we're going to be getting into pressures allowed snap counts uh, evaluate all the position how was Jimmy Garoppolo deep passing while in pressure and all these different things so let's see here let's jump in right now the starters you know whenever they came out nothing really a surprise you know right off the bat offensive line left to right has been the exact same Staley Tomlinson Richburg Pearson person and and McGlinchey. Now, there's going to be some shakeups there. Joe Staley obviously out with the broken fibula, and there has been a little bit of movement. The 49ers have had a couple players that have already um, come out for tryouts, namely, you know, Young, who we had for OTAs right after we lost our very first offensive tackle of the year, Sean Coleman. We brought him in. He's a veteran presence that knows our system, can step in right away. But it doesn't really seem like there's going to be a major move for a tackle position. Uh, a lot of people want Vitae or Trent Richardson, and I totally get that. Um, or sorry, Trent Williams. Nobody wants Trent Richardson. <laughs> but uh, Trent Williams with uh, the Washington Redskins. But here's the deal. Uh, that is a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I wish we could get one of those, but what you would have to pay to get those guys on your roster is just absolutely bananas, and I don't think we are willing to give that up. We already lost our second-round pick for 2020 because we got that in the D4 trade. 
So we've already spent that. So we have our first and our third. And if you're wanting one of those players, you are going to be giving up more than a second round pick. I don't think that we would lose our first round pick. Uh, I'm already seeing lots of questions about Jalen Ramsey. And I get it. I don't want him. Um, if there's a position that we need help, it is not outside cornerback. Is Jalen Ramsey better than what we have? Yeah, probably. However, he already wants to hold out for more money. Uh, he's definitely a locker room issue. I don't think you want to bring that in because it, the thing is this. you know, if, if you look at what this guy has done all throughout his entire career, it's talk. It's talk, talk, talk. And you're going to mix that up with somebody like a Sherman and a Quan Alexander. I Definitely the product would improve, but Witherspoon has been playing lights out. I don't think you want to step that. We had Jason Verrett as a healthy scratch last week, and I it, it's absolutely baffling to me how deep our corner position is. And again, I'm trying my hardest not to talk about defense, but I don't think that we trade for him. Now, there is another player in the NFL that is acting up, and he removed the Jets off of all of his social media, and that is Jamal Adams. That is a player that I would be comfortable walking away from a first uh, for. Now, it's going to cost more than that. Not sure that we are interested, but that is a position of need, the safety position. And I understand Tarverius Moore has been playing very well. Tart has been serviceable for sure uh, with some upside but that that is a player I would try to go get uh, for sure for sure now you know we, we had the whole Mika Pitt Fitzpatrick thing come and go and the Steelers gave up first round pick for him just straight up and you know there's a couple fourth and sixth rounders attached to it but basically a first for Minka he's going to play this week a lot of people keep asking me that you don't give up a first round pick for a secondary player than not play them which tells us they're going to be running a lot more man concept than they usually do the Steelers are a pretty man heavy team anyway so um, especially on the outside. I am curious to see where they are going to play him. My guess is if I was the Steelers DC, which I'm not, I would just put him in man coverage on Kittle every damn play and just say, you got Kittle. Uh, that That's what it is. So uh, hopefully that kind of addresses some of the trade rumors. But yeah, we got the Steelers this week. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a fun game. We're already seven-point favorites, which that jumped up from two to seven. So Ben Roethlisberger was worth five points. As soon as the injury was announced, it jumped from two to seven points. And I don't think that it's done moving. I think by the time the game kicks off, it's probably going to be eight to eight and a half. Um, that's just my guess. So if you want some early action on that, that's where you go. Now jumping back to starters, George Kittle obviously started. Um, the Really the only difference was Brita was the first running back out there um, over Tevin Coleman, who was considered the starter first week. check Garoppolo, receivers were the same, Debo Samuel, and Marquise Goodwin. Now one interesting note, if you had to take a guess at which wide receiver led in snaps week two, you probably would be wrong. Uh, Dante Pettis uh, led the entire team in snaps with 35. Now, he did not get a target in the passing game. They did run the trick play. He did block extremely well, um, which is not usually what you want to say for your wide receivers. But in this Kyle Shanahan offense, a lot of those very long runs, which we're going to talk about, take place because of the outside blocking by receivers. You cannot be a wide receiver in this scheme and not block. And several of those long plays, uh, you're going to see Pettis out there uh, just throwing some great blocks and sealing the edge. Now, uh, I'm going to do a little self-promo here. Uh, you guys listen to me a lot. You know I do this a lot. My YouTube channel, just type in John Chapman. I'm uh, working on posting an audio-visual breakdown of some of the top offensive plays. It's 
taking me a lot of time, but I'm working on it. I'm going to have that up probably later today. So go ahead and head over there. All you do is type in John Chapman on YouTube. A lot of you guys are already on there with YouTube, which is great. But um, make sure you check with that because it's going to be about a 15 to 20 minute breakdown where I pull up the plays and I break down the scheme and what Kyle Shanahan's trying to do. He had one hell of a play call uh, the entire game. It, I mean, he was just unbelievable. You know, one thing that I love to do throughout the season is the most valuable player. I'm going to be really honest with you. Kyle Shanahan finally did what he has been wanting to do the whole time. And he just tore that defense up. Uh, to pieces. Now, if I had to pick a player, it's uh, there's three candidates for me. Uh, George Kittle, even though he didn't do that much in the offensive receiving, but he had four pancake blocks in the first half alone. He attributed another two in the second half that I saw. So you're talking about a tight end getting six pancake blocks, which I don't care who the hell you are. Quentin Nelson's probably one of the best players in the NFL as far as just knocking guys down. And Kittle was out there just destroying people. Uh, he finished as our top-rated player, according to Pro Football Focus. My next two candidates for MVP is Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida. Holy freaking cow. You mean to tell me we have a running back that is averaging over 10 yards a carry and he is being outshined by another guy, and that's Raheem Mostert. So these two guys, as far as stats, were just unbelievable. Matt Breida, 12 carries, 121 yards. Um, Raheem Mostert comes out 13 carries, 83 yards, which is wonderful. But Mostert was able to add in the passing game. Three catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. And a lot of that he created on his own. Uh, hoping to get through to you know how many tackles... Um, they were able to break yards after contact, all those different things. Uh, quick question, John, do you have us beating L.A. at this point? I think best-case scenario for in-division games is you always want to say they win at their home, we win at our home, and then you operate up off of that. I do believe we have had some bad matchups with uh, Sean McVay. Uh, they are designed, their strengths match our weaknesses, especially when their defense is out there with our offense. You know, I uh, Obviously, I want to see her and say, hell yeah, we're going to sweep the Rams, but that's ridiculous. Um, their best player, the best player in the entire NFL is Aaron Donald, and he is matched up against our number one offensive weak point, which is our interior offensive line, and he has just wrecked havoc against us can we beat the rams hell yeah do i expect us to beat the rams at home yes i do i really really do it's going to be a close they'll probably be favored by four is my guess if i was setting the the betting spread today um when in san francisco but they'll probably be favored by six possibly seven at home i don't care um I and I, I get it. Yeah, I've been at the last two games we have played there uh, here in L.A. I live in L.A. and I have to hear this shit all the time. <laughs> but that's just part of it. So anyway, those are my offensive MVPs. Now what I want to do real quick, um, just talk briefly about penalties because penalties they, they cause some problems for us. Mike Person, you know, two offensive holds. You had Garoppolo with one of the delays. McGlinchey had one. Juszczyk had one. Staley had one. And Tomlinson had two. So this is going to affect the bottom of the line offensive scores. And again, you can take for this what you will. This is pro football focus. They do have everybody grayed out. Uh, several, they have multiple people grade this play. 
uh, you know, each and every play. And so that's huge, but it's not gospel. Uh, Richie James was the worst rated 49er with the 52.7, Person 52.8, Kendrick Bourne 55, Western Richburg 57.8, and then Dante Pettis 57.9. The fact that he was out there for so many snaps and did not get a target uh, is definitely problematic, but he was one of our top rated run blockers. He was top five whenever it comes to a run blocking gate um, <laughs> grade, which is interesting because he's a tiny little bitty guy out there doing what he can. So let's jump into our offensive line, and you just got to say, holy cow, what a game. This is two games in a row now that Jimmy Garoppolo's not getting touched. He's not getting hit. You know, there were a few pressures allowed, but... You have to just say this, you know, my key stat to the game, if you follow me on Twitter, which obviously most you do, at JL underscore Chapman, I said, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hit four or more times, I think it's going to be a close game. If he's hit seven or more times, I think we lose. So um, that's kind of what it is. He didn't get hit really at all. And so if we just look at sacks that have taken place, they are non-existent against us. We gave up zero sacks. And if we look at just quarterback hits that were allowed, he was hit twice. Lakin Tomlinson gave up one, and Mike Person gave up another. So zero sacks, two quarterback hits. He has been, we're keeping that face looking pretty of Jimmy Garoppolo and you would like to hope that that continues, but obviously with Joe Staley out six to eight weeks, that is probably going to change. We are going from one of our best players to a person that should not be, definitely not ready. Whether that's school, young, doesn't matter, Bruin skill, who knows, it doesn't matter. But there's going to be some growing pains, and I'm hoping that we're going to shift over. You know, Tololu, I'm glad we kept him <laughs> over Caden Smith now because he is going to help dramatically um, in the pass protection game. Again, Levine Tololo, one of the top-rated tight end run blockers in the entire NFL last year. Um, he is just unbelievable. Question here from Kitty. Would you showcase one of our backup Q, uh, QBs in this next game so we can get trade value for them? I'm not sure we can get any more trade value than is already out there for Nick Mullins. CJ, there's a lot of tape on both of those guys as far as backups go. Um, it seems like you know we were well ahead in this game, and we just kind of stayed with what we had. And we kept the starters out there, and we didn't change that. It really seems like Kyle Shanahan is on a 100% confidence PR boom. It doesn't matter. We want the offense to feel clean, and we want the offense to feel very, very confident. And so he, I don't think he's necessarily going to run up the score, but he wants them to keep feeling good. I, I really do believe that. Um so I, I'm excited for what's going on with the offense. You know, it's funny just reading the comments in this chat as as we're going on. A week ago it was, oh, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins. Now it's, the, you know, <laughs> kind of shut the, the critics up a little bit, which I, I think we needed as a fan base. The, the 49ers fan base is probably one of the most educated fan bases out there. Uh, there's a whole f nest of podcasts, and I listen to every damn one of them. Uh, I don't want to mention them all because there's like eight of them, and I don't want to leave anybody out and piss anybody off. But we know our stuff. There's a lot of fan bases, and you talk to people out there, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. We know our stuff, and we know Nick Mullins is great. I think the rest of the NFL knows it's great as well. But our front office will not back off of our price of basically a second or third round pick for Nick Mullins. And if teams... You know, if you look at teams like the Saints, the Steelers, the Jaguars, you know, they have their bad, the Jets, good Lord. Um, 
they don't want to walk away from one of those picks for a guy that's not guaranteed going to bring them wins. So that that's definitely a part of it. Um, but if a trade doesn't take place in the next two weeks for our quarterbacks, I think we're just going to end up keeping them. I, I really, really do. And it's kind of hard right now because, man, we could really use some of those roster spots. Uh, but it seems like I would give – I'd be fine for a fifth for C.J., uh, personally, but I, I don't think that we're going to get it if we haven't gotten it already. Now, speaking of backup quarterbacks, and this is a new thing I'm going to do. I'm very, very excited to announce my bookie has decided to stay on for the rest of the regular season. Um, so I appreciate all those people that have been heading over to my bookie to sign up and place bets. So my betting special today, I, I'm excited about this one. It has, I guess, it has a little bit to do with the 49ers. They just put this up, and the over/under is this: Mason Rudolph will win six and a half wins or more this year as a starter. Are you kidding me? That is an actual bet. Uh, definitely, you take the under on that one. I don't think that they would win six and a half games with Big Ben. They're already zero and two. They lost to some pretty uh, well decent teams actually, but that team is devoid of talent. Yes, they just traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, but they. I think that is a struggling conference, and Baltimore is going to run away with it. I took the under on here big time. So here's what I would be saying. Again, uh, just hear me say this. I wouldn't be telling you guys about this product if I didn't use them myself. And if I highlight a bet on here, understand I'm putting my money up for it. Now, it's not a guarantee. No betting is ever guaranteed. But the best thing about my bookie is this. You get in there, you bet, you win, you get paid. So all you got to do is head over to mybookie.ag today. Use the promo code 49ers49ERS. They're going to double your initial deposit. After they do that, so if you put in 500 bucks, they're going to give you an additional 500 to bet with, all the way up to $1,000. Now, they have lots of free play bets as well. So if you want to test it out and you want to see how it is, you can bet for free. You can bet as little as a dollar. Uh, you don't have to do big-time bets, whatever, but it does make the games more interesting. So head over there to mybookie.ag today. Use promo code 49ers to double the initial offer and have some fun. Um, I, I'm looking through you know, a lot of the lines. The 49ers are favored, as I said earlier, by seven. Um, I, not saying I don't think the 49ers are going to win. I do. Seven points is a lot of points. <laughs> um, I, I'm still going to put some money on that one, but I, my confidence meter on that's pretty low. The NFL winning by over seven is very difficult to do. But Mason Rudolph winning six and a half games as a starter, I don't know, man. There's We're already down to 14 games. So you think he's going to go 500? I don't believe so. I, I really, really don't. So anyway, that's the my bookie stuff. Now, Let's jump back in. There are several questions up, and again, really appreciate that. Please tag me so I can see it because there's just a lot of questions, which um, is great. Now, uh, if we move on to Jimmy Garoppolo grades, this is what the thing that makes him so special. Yards per passing attempt. You know, if we look at week one, he was around 6.7. You know, he was just over six and a half yards per passing attempt. And I kept saying, and if you watch the game the first week, you could tell right away, it's a lot of easy passes. He's not pushing downfield. I think he completed one out of seven passes that were 10 yards or further in week one. That did not happen in week two. His yards per passing attempt were 11.9 yards. You want it to be around nine. One of the Kyle Shanahan traits that is just gigantic and that he leads or is close to the top in the NFL every year is yards per pass attempt. He's very, very efficient because of his run game. Um, 
Any word on herd yet? No, there's still no word out there on there. The back is just, it's tricky. We're not going to see or hear anything until after the bye week at this point. You know, we're going into week three. Then we have the bye week. You're hoping that he's going to be able to practice Wednesday of the end of the bye week, if that makes sense. So not next Wednesday, uh, the following Wednesday, which, you know, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, so you're talking two more weeks of solid rest. You hope to get them just a quick warm-up on Wednesday to test it. Then you're going to probably rest them on Thursday and get them out there Friday, get them through a normal week. Uh, So you're talking week five or six before you see any game action. Best-case scenario, uh, that's what you're going to get there. Um so, a uh, couple other things. I know it's early, but I feel like the buzz uh, because of just the rebuild is over. Should we get the first round to the best left tackle? Yeah, y- y- right now you have to. A question was asked, what are our draft priorities for next year? And, I, you know, as a 49ers fan, I've gone into mock draft mode super early every year because once we get out of playoff contention, I kind of jump into my scouting. As of right now, you've got to say the most important needs are tackle, interior offensive line, interior offensive line, and then both safety spots. And even if you think Tarverius Moore and Tart are long-term starters, which is okay, there still needs depth or upgrading at those positions. Uh, even if you love Lakin in person, that's fine. Um, we still need upgrading at those positions. But the left tackle is clear and cut the most. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he's come out several times and said he's not moving McGlinchey over to the left side. He doesn't see a difference. Uh, offensive tackles, the NFL is continuing to move this way. And the quote that he said is, well, Von Miller always rushes on the offensive right side. So why would I move him away from that? So you can kind of keep that in context. But, yeah, left tackle is huge. So if we spend a first round on somebody like, you know, Jamal Adams, let's say we give up Solomon Thomas, a first rounder, and, I don't know, throw in a wide receiver that's kind of healthy, you know, Kendrick Bourne, whatever. Man, that means we are not getting offensive tackle help in the draft. We're going to have to go free agency. And, again, we're pretty cheap on next year. Our budget is tighter than it has been in a long time. Now, we'll restructure some deals. But we have a lot of guys to sign as well, Uh, guys like DeForest Buckner, extending Kittle, um, some options around those things. Now, let's jump into Jimmy Garoppolo passing direction and length uh, in week two because this is what's amazing. He goes one for seven, passes over 10 yards in week one completely remedied that first off just passes over 20 yards in the air Um, he goes three for four um, over 100 yards one touchdown his interception was on that and again if uh, I'm going to be breaking down exactly why that interception took place Uh, I can try to explain it audibly here but I'm going to have it on Twitter and on my YouTube channel where you can see it as I talk and explain why but the problem was this he thought they were in a single high um, defense, and he thought that the backside corner was in straight man. Okay, So because we were in a three-by-one set, so again, we had three. I'm not looking at the play. I'm just going over it as best as I can in my head. We had trips to the right and an individual wide receiver to the left. The individual wide receiver to the left ran a shallow route, and he was hoping that corner was going to squat. Okay, what was happening is Richie James was running a deep drag route. This is the almost a very similar play that we scored a touchdown on in week one. Um, he's running a deep drag route to the opposite deep third. 
but he didn't expect the backside corner that was in single coverage, he thought, dropped into the deep third. Um, and he was able to get there. So he really did think that the linebacker was going to run with Richie James all the way across, and the single high safety actually favored that side as well. It was a terrible pass, but it would not have been an interception. He just misdiagnosed cover three for a man on the left side. He thought it was in just simple man, but um, he misdiagnosed that. That was the interception play. From uh, yards 10 to 20 deep, he went uh, two for five, which, again, big improvement, and everywhere else was great. And, man, one of the crazy things was when Jimmy Garoppolo was blitzed, which was four times, um, he goes two for four for 78 yards and a touchdown. You would kill to have those numbers. Yes, it's a 50% completion percentage. But you would kill to have those numbers when they're blitzing your quarterback and you're still able to hit 50% completion with no interceptions, no hits against the quarterback, no sacks against the quarterback, and a touchdown. Now, whenever he received no pressure whatsoever, he goes 14 for 20, um, 226 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. We've got to continue keeping him just upright because whenever he has time and he feels comfortable, He's just bananas. Now let's jump to the backfield real quick. Uh, let's talk about our running backs. Holy freaking cow. You know, Matt Breida, Mostert, unparalleled what those two guys are doing. I absolutely love those guys. You know, Tevin Coleman eventually is going to come back, and that is a good thing. But, man, I do not want to take the ball out of these two guys' hands. I, I truly do believe Matt Breida is one of the better running backs in the NFL. You know, if I was to rank him out out of the top of my head, he's got to be close to top 10. There's nobody else in the NFL that has the yards per attempt that he does over such a long period of time. The only issue with Breida is just staying healthy which, you know, he's much healthier now than he was last year. We'll just have to see what he can do. Matt Breida goes 12 rushing attempts, 121 yards, so just over 10 yards per rushing attempt. He got four first downs on 12 carries, five 10-plus yard runs. That's stupid. <laughs> A lot of this has to do with Kyle Shanahan and manipulating the zone blocking scheme and making sure that, you know, big plays are out there. Also, as I said earlier, the wide receiver blocking is gigantic. He forced three missed tackles. What a great damn game. He had 80 yards after contact. Matt Breida did. He looked like Tech Mobile out there just because a lot of the plays were created by scheme and by blocking. But you cannot discount the fact that 121 yards that he gained, 80 of those were after contact. That's breaking tackles and just bouncing off people and being special. Now, Raheem Mostert, very similar. 13 carries for 83 yards. Um, he averaged 6.4 yards per attempt, which is still amazing. Four first downs, three 10-plus yard carries, and 60 yards after contact. He forced three missed tackles as well. Jeff Wilson, you know, he got in on the goal line duty. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that, especially on long drives. Uh, it seems like Kyle Shanahan and the entire 49ers coaching staff, both sides of the ball, is we're not wearing guys out. Defensive line, wide receivers, and running backs are all rotating no matter what. It's just we're going to keep those positions fresh. They seem to have just a core tenant in that. Now, our offensive line in the secondary, they're playing the whole damn game. So it's it's a weird kind of what they're doing with everything, but I think this is going to continue. He used three backs, so 
Jeff Wilson has 10 carries for 34 yards, two touchdowns. One of those was in kind of junk time mop-up duty. Four first downs, one 10-plus yard gain, and 17 yards after carry. He did not force any missed tackles. And the number one thing that we said with Jeff Wilson when they called him up, he's a very hard-nosed runner that just fights through tackles. As long as he doesn't fumble, he's going to play a significant role in this offense. And it seems like Kyle Shanahan was just fine with him kind of being out there as a goal line guy. So um, what's my score prediction? I don't have it out yet. Uh, you look at where we are. Again, seven-point favorites. It's a 43 over-under. Man, I want to take the over on that already. Um, goodness, I that might be one of my I, – I want to do a little bit more numbers and see what's going on. But – um. You know, just according to the numbers that Vegas has put out there, you're talking about a 24 to 17 type of a game. I really don't think that's going to be the case. And, you know, if you're, I'm going to do an entire episode where I break down the game predictions, what to watch for, and all that stuff. But I want to watch more film of the Steelers before I feel confident saying that. I know they have a great offensive line. I know that they have a decent secondary, especially now with Minka. I know that they have a great linebacker as well. But um, I don't feel comfortable saying that. Vegas is saying the score is going to be 24 17. Um, I'm taking the over. I'm telling you that right now. Um, anyway, so. Back real quick to the wide receivers. The last position we're going to break down here. Um, goodness, uh, receiving was just incredible. We averaged 72 uh, percentage reception percentage, which is great. Uh, Richie James probably had the worst game of everybody. One catch on four targets, and that catch he almost ruined anyway. Uh, it turned into an amazing diving catch, and the announcers gave him a lot of credit, but they shouldn't have because it was just a shallow drag or just a di you know coming across the field, and it was man coverage. And the rule is if you're in man coverage and you're running a crossing route, you keep going. Um, he thought it was zone and tried to slow it down and sit down, so the rule is zone sit, uh, man coverage run. You keep going. And he tried to sit right before Jimmy threw it, and so then he made a leaping grab to make a circus catch, which was great, but very unnecessary. So he made a very routine catch, and he probably would have had some yards after the catch into a diving catch. So take that for what you want. Kidrick Bourne caught one of his two passes um, for only four yards. Didn't really play a huge role in the passing game. Kyle Juszczyk, holy cow. Haven't mentioned that guy yet. He was unbelievable in the blocking game. You know, he had one catch on two targets for only five yards. But holy cow, you go back and watch a lot of those big runs, and I'm going to detail those for you. They go off of his block. Amazing game. Marquise Goodwin, three catches on three targets, 77 yards and a touchdown. Back-to-back -back good weeks for him. Debo, five for six, 87 yards and a touchdown. And the thing with Debo is he did have that one drop. But good Lord, if we just look at what he did after the catch— it doesn't make sense. 16 yards per reception, 80 yards, 80 yards. Yuck. <laughs> that's, that's what Kyle Shanahan goes out and gets. You know what I mean? He had 87 yards total receiving, 80 of which were yards after the catch. Um, he did have that one drop, but he th converted three of those into a first down. He did force a missed tackle. And Kittle caught all three of his targets for 54 yards and just totally punched a dude in the face. I, I love that that's not a penalty. It probably should be, but um, it's what it is. And then, of course, Raheem Mostert and Brita, they just were special. Um, you know, Raheem Mostert attributed another three first downs in the passing game. So he attributed seven total first downs 
just and that doesn't even include the huge play that was called back or Brita's huge play that was called back as well. Um, John, can you do a roster spot on the 53 for Dante when Taylor and Hurd are back? Um, yeah, well, yeah, there definitely is. There will be a wide receiver that will no longer be there. Dante Pettis isn't going anywhere unless it's a trade. There's no way that you wave that guy. He led the team in snaps from the wide receiver position this week. Yeah, he's problematic definitely no fantasy relevance whatsoever but uh, no he's going to be all right you, you can hold on to him for now for sure uh, I think the pecking order would probably be Richie James I know everybody gets pissed at that but um, Richie James would probably be the guy if they did wave somebody um, that's just my own personal opinion so a couple more things just want to say thanks uh, for tuning in and let me know man have you guys enjoyed this live stream this is the first time I did it uh, some people have saying that it looks a little blurry maybe I'm just related to Bigfoot um, that's our trait we are just blurry as what we do out there but if you have any other suggestions comments or anything that you want to let me know please let me know you can reach out to me on Twitter my DMs are always open what's up ladies um, at JL underscore Chavin don't reach out to me ladies I'm happily married my wife's amazing um, but just want to say thanks again Again, guys, I will be back very, very soon with another episode detailing the defense. And man, who knows? Maybe we're going to have some more information out there about some trades. Uh, there's a possibility. Hopefully, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers don't trade for any more top tier talent before we play. But uh, stay strong, faithful, and I will be back very soon with the defensive breakdown. Thanks a lot, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.